The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Ellis Martin Report. During this broadcast, you will learn of potential investment opportunities involving publicly traded companies. These companies have paid us for exposure on this program. We ask that before you consider any possible investment choice, do your own research. You can begin the research process by visiting our website, ellismartinreport.com. Remember, if you do invest in any publicly traded concern, you do so at your own risk. Here's the host of the Ellis Martin Report, Ellis Martin. I'm Ellis Martin. This segment of the Ellis Martin Report is sponsored by the Yukon Mining Alliance. I visited recently with many of their member companies at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference at the Yukon Pavilion. I learned quite a bit about many of the companies most boasting significant projects in the Yukon Territory, Canada. We'll share those stories with you today. I had a chance to visit both Whitehorse and Dawson City last summer, and I'll be returning there again this summer as a placer miner. Let's begin our coverage, starting with a conversation with Matthew Turner, President and CEO of Rockhaven Resources, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol RK. Rockhaven Resources is an exploration company aggressively advancing its 100% owned and road accessible Plaza Gold Silver Lead Zinc project located in Yukon, Canada. Matt, welcome to the program. Thanks, Ellis. Nice to see you again. Now, you have a very interesting gold and silver resource in the Yukon Territory. Let's talk about that. The resource as it stands right now, it's at uh, 1.36 million ounces of gold at 4.5 grams average. And we have another 26 million ounces of silver at about 90 gram average. And then an additional 350 million pounds of lead and zinc combined at a 1.7% combined average. So it's, it's pretty significant in that it's the highest grade plus one million ounce gold deposit ever discovered in the history of the Yukon. Not only that, when you put into an equivalent basis, a gold equivalent basis, we're sitting at about 1.8 million ounces at a shade under six grams equivalent. So it's pretty exciting and that actually doesn't include the uh, 8,500 meters of drilling that we did this year. We hope to put those meters into an updated resource at some point in the future here. We're really excited on, on where the project stands to date. What excites me as a potential investor in your company in this new economy in the U.S. is the infrastructure situation and the call now for lead, zinc, iron ore, uh, minerals of that nature. You have a lot more leverage as a polymetallic company than you would necessarily with just gold and silver, although that is amazing on its own. Oh, exactly. The fact that we have, you know, at least four main metals that we draw from, it definitely, I think, brings down the risk to the, the future mining operation that we hope to see at Klaza. Well, the Yukon's been mined since the late 1800s, if not sooner, and it, it was a hard road back then, and of course, been mined for quite some time. Nevertheless, it's still a stranger to most of the investing public around the world because it's so far away and people think there's infrastructure issues, which there are not. How do you account as a geologist for the significantly high grades of precious metals and everything else up in the Yukon? I think the fact that there's been that stigma about the Yukon for so long, it actually plays in our favor for not only us as geologists exploring and companies exploring, but also for the investing public, and that you've had a lot of really amazing stories 
kind of more or less flown under the radar for so many years. And now we're going in and say with Clasa, we went into a historical gold district that had been explored quite extensively and, and actually saw production from the late 40s all the way through till the late 90s. And the fact is we went in and went into you know what would really be an, an underexplored and quite frankly underappreciated portion of this gold belt. And we made what, like I said, is a, is a phenomenal discovery. And for what it's worth too, we're sitting at over five times more gold than what had ever been identified back by previous explorers in the other parts of the belt that had seen all the focus in the past. So we can use it to our advantage, obviously, both us and potential investors coming in. Was it just a lot of artisanal mining going on in the old days, basically? Yeah, like you look at the Clas area, we're hosting the Mount Nansen gold belt. You look at that area, it was the first placer gold was found during the gold rush in 1898. And it wasn't until about 40 years after that, that one of the placer miners went up on the hill and found the first hard rock discovery. And then um, fast forward again, where that first hard rock discovery was made is a portion of our resource as it is today, but really nobody went back since then. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing when you turn back the clock. I think most people like history and like learning about it. And it's really interesting on all these projects to turn back the clock and, and look at what happened during the, the years on the history side of things with these projects. Some folks have been quoted as saying that production is problematic in the Yukon simply because the cost of getting the ore to Alaska or down to the U.S. or but that's just simply not true at all. There's a couple access points to get to deep water ports. You can also take it down through BC and get it on the rail line there. It really depends on what you're producing. At Clasa, we are going to be producing a number of concentrates, a lead con and a zinc con. Those would be obviously trucked off site to where they'd be probably shipped either to smelters in North America or Asia. But the bulk of our gold is actually going to be produced on site as Dore through the metallurgical process that we've identified. Well, let's talk about that process. So yeah, so we'll be um, producing um, three concentrates through sequential flotation. So we'll first be producing a lead con, followed by a zinc con, followed by an arsenopyrite con. And that arsenopyrite con will be processed on site through a hydromet circuit. So it'll be done through an autoclave, but again, not an autoclave that most people think of, you know, one of these huge things that you see down in Nevada. Ours is based on the mass pull and the proposed production rate, we're looking at about a 200 ton per day. Basically the size of a typical boardroom table type thing would be the size of our autoclave. Your assets are 100% owned by Rockhaven. You have no royalties and this gives you an advantage. For sure it does. There's a lot of deposits out there that are quite encumbered when it comes to royalties and these kind of really show themselves when you look at the economic models. We're free and clear of all those, at least in the areas that cover the resource or the claims that cover the resources. And again, that's huge for anyone coming in and looking at taking this to production, the fact that we don't have any encumbrances on that regard. Again, 100% owned, nice and clean, right? Certainly is. Now, you're an exploration and development company. What's the plan going forward, timeline, let's say, for the next couple of years? Uh, Good question. So right now, with the current state of the resource, and we've wrapped some preliminary economics around the deposit, they're good, they're not great yet, but we expect with additional drilling, additional resource expansion, and hopefully making new discoveries, we can get our production rates up and our processing costs down 
and really uh, put out a, a really nice economic study, uh, hopefully in the next couple of years. First off, there'd be a new resource and then followed by a new economic study. But we're confident we can get to the point where it's going to look quite attractive for a larger company coming in. What does the share structure look like? So we're currently at 129 million shares outstanding. One of the unique things with our structure is that although we have 129 million out, we own internally between insiders and our largest shareholder, Strategic Metals. We own about 60% or so, maybe a little more. It's, it's actually for a structure that's got as many shares out, it's pretty tightly held. And what's the trading range right now? So we're trading between about 18 and 20 cents. So that puts us at about a $25 million market cap. When you relate that back into gold equivalent ounces in the ground, that puts us somewhere around $14 gold equivalent ounce in the ground. And I think when you dive into a lot of other high grade deposits out there, the peer group that we're in, most of those are trading north of $30 per ounce in the ground. So there's definitely value there for a shareholder or potential shareholder coming into Rockhaven. Well, Matt, it's really been a pleasure to chat with you again on the program. Thanks so much for joining me today. Pleasure's all mine, Ellis. Thank you. I've been speaking with Matthew Turner, President and CEO of Rockhaven Resources, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol RK. Rockhaven Resources is a member company of our sponsor, the Yukon Mining Alliance. Listen to this segment again on our website, ellismartreport.com. Now let's speak with Tara Christie, President and CEO of Banyan Gold, trading as BYN on the TSX Venture Exchange. Banyan has advanced their 100% owned starter gold project in the Yukon to define a mineral resource of over 360,000 ounces of gold at a cost of just $1 per ounce with the potential to grow further. Tara, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me. Let's talk about the Klondike Gold Rush of 1898 because I've interviewed many companies here in the pavilion and we haven't really discussed it yet. And you are a, a heritage family in the Yukon and what can you tell us about the Klondike Gold Rush? Well, it certainly was a pivotal event in the creation of the Yukon and Canada and that uh, really set up the stage for today's mining industry too because a lot of the infrastructure that we enjoy in the Yukon that make all of our projects su potentially successful was created from that gold rush. So the Gold Rush put us on the map for being a great place to look for gold, and uh, you only need to look in the news stories recently to, to find that there's been numerous big names that are coming to the Yukon because of that continued potential for gold. The Gold Corp takeover of Kamenak, what's going on with Victoria Gold, Agnico Ego buying into the Yukon, that dream of gold in the Yukon that was sparked way back then is continuing today, and I think things are just about to get exciting in the Yukon again. You know, speaking of excitement, I've been covering the Yukon for many, many years, but uh, coming from Los Angeles, the Yukon was always a far, far away place near the Arctic Circle, and well, he didn't get me. I didn't understand the story until I visited last summer, and being around rocks for quite some time in my life, not as a geologist, but as a journalist, nothing ever hit me, and as soon as I got there and looked at some of these rocks and felt the fever that everybody had, and of course the sun doesn't set during the summer, really, I got hit by something I've never felt before, and it's gold fever. <laughs> well, I have to admit I have a bit of that as well. I've spent most of my career working in the Yukon. I have worked in some other jurisdictions as well, but the Yukon is certainly one where there's a great love for me, both from the private mining business as well as exploration, and now running Banyan. Yeah, it certainly gets in your blood when you uh, get looking for gold. Now tell us about Banyan. Banyan's a junior explorer, a new company, really. We're in the early stage of exploration. Our primary asset is the Highland Gold Project, which is in southeast Yukon. We have an initial resource of 400,000 ounces at 
at roughly Graham, which is a fabulous starting resource. We like to be marketing the property and showing people that it has multi-million ounce potential, that this type of deposit, this property has the potential to host more resources. Who are some of your partners and what's the plan moving forward, let's say, for the next two years? So in terms of shareholders, we have 26% held by insiders, which is a pretty significant amount. Management all has significant stakes, which we purchased at the, the same time as other investors. We're quite pleased that we have a lot of very knowledgeable mining people who've invested in Banyan, so that, that gives us a very good shareholder base. And we also have Victoria Gold at 8%, which is a key partner for us in the Yukon. What is your strategy going forward for the next two or three years? What's the plan? We'd like to know. This is an early stage company, so lots of upside potential. Our strategy is, of course, to advance Highland. We believe the property has lots of potential. It will be attractive for lots of companies are coming into the Yukon. So we want to develop it and show that we have multi-million ounce potential, continue to drill in the resource area, as well as some of those other exploration targets that we have. We're also focused on acquiring other projects in the Yukon, and our focus is Yukon and gold. Our team is uniquely qualified to do that because we've got a long history in the Yukon. I've been working in the Yukon most of my career. We have great board members who also have experience in the Yukon. So I think that'll bring real value for our shareholders because we have a team that, that'll be able to deliver on that. The next steps really for Banyan are to get out and tell the story. Banyan hasn't been out marketing. It hasn't during the tough times. Banyan really was a low cost junior that focused on quality exploration. We still do that, but we are going to get out and be more vocal talking to shareholders and telling the Banyan story. You know, that's really, really important. You can have colossal grades, the kind that exist in the Yukon, if nobody knows about it. How are we able to purchase the shares and to take advantage of the same opportunities that you're uncovering? I noticed in some of your marketing materials, you reference Victoria Gold and also Kamenak, their coffee project, and they, of course, were acquired by Goldcourt, and they had a plan. They had a plan for eventual acquisition and takeout. And are you modeling your company in a similar fashion? That's the general model, yeah, is to advance the project to the stage where somebody would want to take it over. We have all the skills to advance this project through exploration into advanced exploration and even into permitting. Our team aren't really mine builders, so that would be the time when it would be ideal for someone else to take it over or for you know a change in management. So there's always optionality with juniors, but our preference is to remain an explorer because that's where our real skills are. And we think we can generate value for our shareholders by advancing the projects we have, acquiring new ones with high prospect activity and advancing them and then you know making sure our shareholders get value for them. And let's talk about that share structure. So uh, we have 47 million shares outstanding. We raised 1.2 million last year. We are very frugal explorers. We spent 300,000 out in the field. We still have over 700,000 in the bank now. 400,000 of that is earmarked for our program this year. We are able to spend that money very well because we have uh, pre-positioned a camp. We've got a bulldozer, excavator, and diamond drill in on our site already. So we're able to start up our exploration programs very quickly. We have existing roads and infrastructure, which help us do very low-cost exploration, and our team is very focused. We spent a good part of this winter going through our data set. We inherited quite a historic data set, as well as doing structural analysis from the LIDAR that we flew this last winter, so we've identified new target areas to go in and test this year, which should bring value for our shareholders. Well, Tara, it's been a great pleasure speaking with you again. Last time we visited was actually in uh, Dawson City, and that was quite an experience. Thank you so much for joining me today in the program. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you in Dawson again. I've been speaking with Tara Christie, President and CEO of Banyan Gold, trading as BYN on the TSX Venture Exchange at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. 
Banyan Gold is a member of the Yukon Mining Alliance, a proud sponsor of the Ellis Martin Report. And now let's visit with Clinton Nauman, the president and CEO of Alexco Resource Corporation, trading as AXU on the New York Stock Exchange and as AXR on the TSX. Alexco owns the historic Kino Hill Silver District, located in Canada's Yukon Territory. The Bellocino Silver Mine is one of the world's highest grade silver mines, with a production grade of up to 1,000 grams per ton. Three of Alexco's mines are already well into development, with the fourth waiting for a development decision. The continuing discoveries of some of the largest deposits ever in the district point to the prolific and prospective nature of Kino Hill. Employing a unique business model, Alexco also provides mine-related environmental services, remediation technologies, and reclamation and mine closure services to both government and industry clients through the Alexco Environmental Group, its wholly owned environmental services division. Clinton Nauman, welcome to the program. Thanks, Alice. Thanks for uh, inviting me in here. Now, you're one of the star companies in the area. You have a great project. You have another business, which is an environmental business. Give us an overview of the company, if you don't mind. We are primarily a service. Silver Miner. Our franchise is the uh, only primary silver producer in Canada. We suspended our silver production operations in 2013, and at this point we're sitting right on the cusp of making a decision as to whether or not to redevelop the Kino Hill District. So going back into production will have a significant uh, resource. We've made a couple of discoveries which are relatively high grade. We'll have an expanded capacity and through We're pretty excited about uh, what's in front here for Alexco. On the environmental side, we do a variety of work in uh, all the way from FIFA service type work in Canada uh, through project related work uh, in the United States, where we have been quite successful in having the company branded by large institutions, uh, especially the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, uh, in the U.S., where we were the selected contractor to offset and control the serious water blowout from the Gold King Mine in Colorado about a year ago. So the environmental companies completely related to mining then? Certainly that's our sandbox and we tend to gravitate towards environmental projects that are related to mine sites and industrial sites. We focus generally on soils and water and everything else that on the permitting side of the business, especially in Canada. So this is business going forward. You're not dealing with any environmental issues that are old, are you? Well, yes, I guess the answer to that is somewhat clouded. We are involved in legacy liabilities in Canada at Keno Hill, but we're totally indemnified from any liability related to that. And we are the contractor that's cleaning up those legacy liabilities for the government of Canada. So we own this very large district, produced a couple of hundred million ounces of silver, an average of 40 ounces per ton, 35, 40 mines and all those mines represent a legacy liability and we are employed by Canada, paid by Canada to clean up those legacy liabilities. So this is very good for the mining industry as a whole and this is an answer of course to environmentalists who outside of our sector have been averse possibly to mining happening in their jurisdictions like many places in in California, New Mexico, and elsewhere in North America. Yeah, that's correct. And we think that we fill a a pretty important niche in the business in understanding the mining operation perspective in terms of being able to extract resources, but also being recognized both in Canada and the United States for our work on mitigation of environmental problems and real hands-on solutions to, quite frankly, some pretty 
pretty serious problems. And that mitigation, do you benefit with some sort of royalty based on the cleanup that you're doing? It's a normally a FIFA service type of an arrangement. We would generally, you know, have some contractual relationship. I mean, the business generally do 12 to 15 million dollars in revenue each year, and we maintain margins of anywhere between 25 and 35 percent. It's a good business and it's provided cash flow to the company through the leaner years, as they have been the last two or three years. Now, will you take the revenues from this environmental operation and cross them over into firing up uh, your silver project? Obviously, there's a lot more leverage and recognition of multiples in the uh, silver mining business than there is in the environmental business. So uh, that's exactly what we do, is we take the revenues from the environmental business, offsets, uh, overhead, and we can redeploy that income into the mining business. Let's talk about the share structure of your company. What does that look like to uh, your current investors or potential investors? We have 100 million shares, plus or minus, uh, out at the present time. We don't have any debt. because uh, uh, Eric Sprott is our largest investor on the institutional side. And I would say that uh, our institutional holdings uh, is on a consolidated basis. Uh, probably only uh, 20 to 30 percent at this point, and the rest is uh, a very interested and very uh, active uh, retail market. Well, you're doing very well in the sector as a whole compared to many other companies out there. Yeah, we like to think so. It's a response to the quality of the resource that we have. And we have currently close to 67, 70 million ounces of indicated resource. Approximately 70, 75% of those ounces are between half a kilogram and a kilogram per ton of silver. So it's a very high-grade uh, district and eminently mineable. Give us a brief overview of your management team, if you don't mind. We have a thoroughly competent management team, other than I have a a very well-versed, technically excellent chief operating officer who does look after the business day-to-day. We have one of the more successful exploration teams in the business, being able to find silver in the Keno Hill District for an average of 50 cents per ounce or less. On the environmental side, we have some very respected, internationally known scientists that operate and manage that business. I don't see any reason personally why you wouldn't fire up that silver project and share some of that silver wealth with the rest of us. That's exactly right and I'm quite confident and uh, optimistic about the price of silver so uh, we're certainly moving in that direction. Clint Nauman, President and CEO of Alexco Resource Corporation trading on the TSX as AXR and in the U.S. as AXU. Thank you so much for joining me today in the program. Thank you, Alice. I've been speaking with Clinton Nauman, the president and CEO of Alexco Resource Corporation, trading as AXU on the New York Stock Exchange and as AXR on the TSX. Alexco is a member of the Yukon Mining Alliance, a proud sponsor of the Ellis Martin Report. Now let's speak with Paul Reynolds, president and CEO of Northern Free Gold Resources Limited, trading as NFR on the TSX Venture Exchange and NFRGF in the U.S. Northern Freegold is a growth-oriented Canadian-based precious metals exploration and development company and is focused on creating value through the advancement of the district-scale Freegold Mountain Project in the Yukon. 
Paul, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Ellis. Nice to meet you. Now, I'm a big believer in the Yukon having picked up some claims up there. Where did your excitement begin? I joined the company a few years back, and my excitement began just knowing what the company had so far as far as their existing resources, but more importantly, the exploration potential of the property. It's a huge, huge porphyry epithermal system. We've got lots more to explore and develop up there. Well, tell us a little bit more about that. And in that discussion, let's hear about your management team. Our management team is myself, John Anderson, Glenda Duke, all relatively seasoned expert junior mining professionals. We've recently hired a fellow named Tony Baresi, who uh, has been working with us for the past eight months or so. PhD geologist, has huge amount of experience in porphyry systems. And through his work, we've gone through and re-looked at the past 10 years worth of work that this company has done and distilled all that down, come up with some new mapping, alteration mapping, and we're really excited about some of the prospects that need to be drilled based on that work. Well, why don't you tell us about some of the prospects? Well, they're all related to the existing systems or the systems that we do know about, but they're just areas that we think there is better potential for higher grade mineralization and potentially more resources. How do you feel the sentiment now in the Yukon Territory is compared to, let's say, just about two or three years ago? Oh, the the sentiment has changed completely, uh, certainly with the recent corporate transactions within the Yukon with Kamenak and what have you. You know, it's brought a lot of investor attention back to the Yukon. Where do you see your company heading in about 24 months or so? We expect to be back drilling this season. It'll be the first time in five years and uh, hopefully a lot more in the next two years. And how are you capitalized? At the moment, we've got about a million and a quarter dollars in the bank, and we'll be looking to do a top-up financing this spring. Tell us about your share structure, if you don't mind. We've got roughly 47 million shares. Insiders management own about 14%, and institutional investors about 30%. Tell us about the exploration aspect of this company and why it's so important. Well, historically, we've been focused, or the company's been focused over the years on coming up with resources in the ground. And back in the last cycle, everybody, you know, was sort of rushing to get resources out and get a PEA done. We're really taking a step back and doing an overall project evaluation and exploring what we hope to explore the entire property. And like I said before, it is a big, big property with a lot of showings and a big, big porphyry system on it. So we're very, very excited. We can come up with a lot more showings and a lot more resources. And what is your share price currently? It's about 25 cents. That's 25 cents Canadian. That's correct. So it's potentially a very nice opportunity, perhaps. It's a great opportunity. We've got a market cap of about $10, $11 million, depending on the day, and I see lots of room for that to grow. Well, Paul, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Thanks very much, Ellis. I've been speaking with Paul Reynolds, President and CEO of Northern Freegold Resources Limited, training as NFR in the TSX Venture Exchange and NFRGF in the U.S. Northern Freegold is a member of the Yukon Mining Alliance, another proud sponsor of the Ellis Martin Report. Continuing our visit with Yukon Mining Alliance member companies, let's speak with Paul Westsells, President and CEO of Western Copper and Gold trading as WRN on the New York Stock Exchange and WRN on the TSX. Western Copper and Gold is solely focused on developing the world-class casino project located in the politically stable Yukon Territory. Currently in the permitting phase, Casino is poised to be the premier copper gold mine in Canada and the flagship mine for the Yukon. Western Copper and Gold, through its wholly owned subsidiary, Casino Mining Corporation, is committed to developing the Casino Mine in a manner that provides economic opportunity for all involved, while maintaining the highest levels of social and environmental practices. Paul, welcome to the program. 
Well, thank you very much for having me. You are developing Canada's premier copper and gold mine. What's the most exciting thing about your project right now? What's exciting is that it's a very large copper gold deposit located in a great jurisdiction up in the Yukon. We've got 9 million ounces of gold, 4.5 billion pounds of copper in the reserve, and an additional 9 million ounces of gold and 5.4 billion pounds of copper in the inferred reserve. So you're looking at an 18 million ounce gold, 10 billion pound copper deposit. So it's a significant sized deposit located in the Yukon. I mean, the Yukon has been... I mean, let's be honest, it's been a hot jurisdiction of the past year. I mean, we had our next-door neighbors on the right just switch to be Goldcorp. Goldcorp bought Kamenak for the coffee deposit about eight months ago. And then on the other side of us, we had Agnico Eagle uh, make a 15% investment into a bunch of Sean Ryan's claims in that area. So it's the right address, and it's a great project. And you've got a big smile on your face. Tell me about this story. It sounds like a multi-billion dollar racehorse, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you look at this project, and and it's a big, big project. I mean, the capital cost is $2.5 billion. You look at the size of that deposit. These are rare beasts, and to have one in a good jurisdiction is, we feel very honored to be able to bring this forward and to have this, because you don't find these things every day. The sheer size of the project speaks to the Yukon Territory itself. It's just an incredible place to be. As far as jurisdiction is concerned, we know that Canada is one of the best jurisdictions in the world, but specifically the Yukon Territory, like Quebec Province, is very, very progressive. Great relationships with First Nations, with the government, with the alliance and they're doing everything possible to make it easy for you to do your job. Absolutely. I mean, I tell people that that haven't been to the Yukon, I said, well, there's a miner on the license plate. It's that base. There's about 15 to 20% of the GDP right now is based on mining in the Yukon. The Yukon understands mining. They understand how important it is to the economy of of mining. I mean, that's the first thing, and that's at the government level. You brought up First Nations. I mean, the First Nations are integrated very well. They're settled in the Yukon. The Yukon is, I think, one of the first areas in Canada that have settled with the First Nations, so it makes dealing with them very, very straightforward. You know, there's got a long history of mining in that territory and working with the governments and the First Nations to make that mining happen. I understand the First Nations in the Yukon Territory have been very helpful with regard to other jurisdictions in Canada and their First Nation issues. I've heard that as well, and they're using it as a bit of a model for what's happening up in the Yukon for other jurisdictions, particularly in northern Canada. Tell me, what is the plan for the company two to four to five years out? Where are we going here? I mean, if you look at it, this is our 10th year with the company. What we've done, you know, and it's a very, very simple business model, and it's really the business model that we had going back prior to that 10 years when we had Western Silver, and we sold that company to Glamis for $1.6 billion for the Penasquito deposit. It's just doing smart de-risking and moving the project forward. So when we got the project, it had a few drill holes. Well, we finished off the exploration. We did two pre-feasibility studies. We did a full bankable feasibility study, and now we're working on permitting is one track, and the other track is is beginning to line up who's going to finance this mine. It's a two and a half billion dollar project. You know, we're a little under 200 million market cap companies. That's a pretty big gap. So we've always sort of said that it's going to be a, a number of companies that are involved bringing this forward. And so that's one of the things we're looking at right now, as well as the permitting track. Well, one of the things that gets me excited is the fact that you've got this large copper play and I'm in the U.S. and we know what's going to happen with our infrastructure. And, you know, while gold is a speculative metal and everybody should buy gold stocks, companies that they believe in and they should buy physical metal the facts on the ground are that we need copper and that supply is not meeting the demand in the world and it may be in the ground but getting it out of the ground getting into production is a process and we may see copper prices go through the roof absolutely i mean you look at what's happened over the past 
They're calling it the Trump bump in copper, but it actually started about a week before that. And it was good news out of China. I mean, it was, uh, you know, starting to see, you know, the manufacturing indices, those sort of things, as well as the pure fundamentals in terms of copper imports, very, very healthy in China. I think that the idea that China was going to have a hard crash, that's off the table. So we know China takes 50% of the world's copper supplies. So you have that trucking along at, at a consistent rate, and now you have the United States come on, and you've got a commitment to building infrastructure in the United States. So all these things talk about the demand side, and then you're on the supply side. And I tell people, this is the thesis of a cycle. Obviously, we're in a cyclical industry. You spent the past five years, no one's built any copper mine. Of course they haven't, because the price of copper has been too low for anyone to justify building it. Well, now you're starting to see the copper price go up. Projects are looking healthier, and so you're starting to see people start to show interest in building copper mines. You're seeing some investment from companies like Rio Tinto making an announcement that they're going forward at Oyotogoi. You've got announcements from BHP announcing they're going forward at some of their projects. And you're starting to see some excitement back in the copper space. It's one of the reasons our share price is up. Tell us about your share structure and the price, if you don't mind. Sure. I mean, if you look at our share price over the past year, I mean, a year ago at this conference, we hit one of our all-time lows. So we were at 29 cents. Today, we're at a little about a buck 70. So if you look at what's happened, there's been sort of three things, three lifts that have happened. One has been the gold lift. I mean, obviously, we have, have a significant gold resource there. So that happened in about February, March of last year. We started to see all the gold, junior golds go up because of gold price going up and M&A in that sector going up. The next thing that happened is actually really was a Yukon lift. And when Gold Corp bought Kamenak, that really lifted all the Yukon miners and, and with that group. And, you know, as I said, I mean, they're our next-door neighbors, meaning our claims touch their claims when I say next-door neighbors. And then the third lift has been this copper rally. And, and what you're seeing is you're seeing another number of companies of which were one sizable copper projects good locations and they're starting to see the share price go up but we're at a buck 70 if you look at our peak uh, a few years ago we we're at four dollars you look at the project at today's commodity prices it has a 1.8 billion net present value so we've got a lot of room to grow from our current share base well paul it's been a great pleasure to speak with you today thank you so much for joining me today on the program thank you very much i've been speaking with paul west sells president and CEO of Western Copper and Gold, trading as WRN on the New York Stock Exchange and WRN on the TSX. Western Copper and Gold is a member of our proud sponsor, the Yukon Mining Alliance. Now let's speak with Graham Downs, president and CEO of ATAC Resources, trading as ATC on the TSX Venture Exchange and ATADF in the U.S. ATAC Resources is developing Canada's only Carlin-type gold district and its Rackla Gold Project in the safe and mining-friendly Yukon. You have Canada's only Carlin-type gold district. Tell us all about it. It's in uh, central Yukon. 2010, we discovered Canada's only Carlin-style mineralization in the Yukon. Simply put, these type of deposits, which are typically found in Nevada, can be very large and occur in clusters. Over the last four years, we've been finding new discoveries year after year, and, and some of the highest-grade zones in Canada have been found. Now, let's talk about these zones, because as I recall, they're massive. 
They are pretty big. The key there is that we haven't drilled them off. Some of the highest grade intersections are definitely out there. I mean, upwards of 44 meters of 4 grams and 21 meters of 8 grams, 51 of 4. I mean, our discovery hole was 65 meters of almost 5 grams. So that's just the five zones that we know of right now. There's a lot of targets out there we just haven't even drilled yet. How are you capitalized for further exploration in the area? We're uh, well financed. We have just under 15 million. We're going into this year with uh, our largest program in, in the last four years. So we'll be doing a $10 million program in 2017. Focus will be on primarily the Nataline trend with a little bit of work at the western end in the raw trend near the Tiger deposit. It's going to be one of our busiest years. Lots of news. We'll be starting up in late May, early June. It's going to be an exciting year. What's the most exciting thing about your company? It's the exploration potential. We have a large district and so many targets. We're just very fortunate to be in a position to own this 100% no royalties and it's an exciting job to be in. Now as you further develop and identify the ore in the ground, what's the plan going forward from there? Well, what we're going to do, you know, this year we're going to focus on just building on the ounces. We're going to uh, keep expanding these zones. Like I said, all of the zones are open for expansion. I believe that there's going to be a little bit of an uptick in the market and I think we'll be rewarded with some of the results that we hope to get in 2017. I've been speaking with several companies here in the Yukon Mining Alliance and the biggest thing that I've noticed are the high grades, the large land positions, and it's almost like it's virgin territory because it really hasn't been explored or stepped out. Plus, the infrastructure is there, so there's no problem actually you know, moving the ore around once you have it out of the ground. Absolutely, and, and for us, we don't have the infrastructure that some of the other ones do, but we are in the, right in the middle of halfway through permitting a road to our western end of our project. So that's a should be a major milestone for attack resources. Tell us about the share structure. We have about 122 million shares outstanding. We've worked hard to preserve that share capital structure over the last few years. We didn't want to take on the dilution that some companies have, and we've kept the company well financed over the last four or five years. So we're in a great position, great share structure, and we're ready to get back at it. Well, Graham, thank you so much for joining us today in the program. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Graham Downs, President and CEO of ATAC Resources, trading as ATC on the TSX Venture Exchange and ATADF in the U.S. ATAC Resources is a member of the Yukon Mining Alliance, a proud sponsor of the Ellis Martin Report. Let's speak with Richard Dreschler, Vice President of Communications for Strategic Metals Limited, trading as SMD on the TSX Venture Exchange. Strategic Metals is a project generator at a very large scale and currently has interest in more than 130 properties assembled by an accomplished exploration team utilizing a proprietary database. Through project farmouts, investments, and royalty sales, the company has grown its cash and shareholdings to more than $40 million. Richard, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me, Ellis. Now, you are a project generator, which means you're looking for opportunities to eventually spin out to be taken over by other companies. Is that not correct? That's it, yeah. Well, our focus is typically on the earlier stage targets. We've leveraged the geologic knowledge of our group to identify projects before they have a deposit defined on them. So what our goal is, is get a, a target together, demonstrate that this has the potential to be something significant, and then attract partners to do the more extensive diamond drill programs that are required to define the deposit. And then we maintain exposure to the projects through shareholdings and royalty interests. Now, you've been fairly successful in that area. In fact, your catchphrase is creating wealth through knowledge. That's it. I mean, we've been active in the Yukon for a long time. Our group has been involved either the discovery or advancement of the majority of the known deposits in the Yukon. So the company is currently the largest landholder in the Yukon. That property portfolio has been put together by Archer Catherine Associates, which is a geological consulting firm that has over 50 years experience dedicated to the Yukon. We are the Yukon experts. We basically wrote the book on Yukon. Archer Catherine sold the MinFile database 
place to the Yukon. Over the years, Strategic, as a project generator, is able to acquire targets during downturns and then bend them out when the market comes back. We take a long view of the markets. Because we've been involved in this business for so long, we realize they're cyclical. We always maintain a strong treasury so that we can take advantage of the downturns and acquire targets when people are walking away from the industry. For example, during this last downturn, we added 16 new targets to the portfolio. We currently have three projects under option, which is just, just starting to ramp up. But when the last big rush came to the Yukon, we were able to find partners for 85 projects. That's really how we are able to leverage our, our expertise to have a lot of money spent on our projects by other. You just said 85 projects. That's a big number. Yeah, it's a huge number, and it, every cycle is a little bit different. Uh, depending on the cycle, various companies are more attracted to targets at different stages of development. So what we try to do in our portfolio is we'll have a number that are grassroots, that are sort of earlier geologic concept that you're able to move along to, to companies with, say, smaller type market caps, whereas you've got a more aggressive group that needs something with drill discoveries or multiple drill holes in it where you can already hand wave what the type of numbers that could be represented out there. We have a, a number of those projects in our portfolio as well. For over the years, Strategic continues to do exploration on our own portfolio projects so that we can keep grooming the next level of discoveries for future partners. Tell us about your management team. Okay, so we're headed up by uh, Doug Eaton, who's the president and CEO. He's actually a principal of Archer Catherine Associates. He's been credited with the discovery or an advancement of a number of exciting projects in the Yukon. Oh, sorry, he spent his entire career in the Yukon now. And Ian Talbot, our chief operating officer, was formerly with uh, BHP Billiton. So a lot of experience there in, in terms of putting together deals. We're able to do all that in-house, which saves us and potential optionees a lot of cost. Uh, we've got an extensive knowledge on the board in terms of guys who have brought mine towards production, identifying major deposits at early stage. An example of that, you know, Bruce Youngman, for example, was the vice president of Northern Dynasty when they acquired the Pebble Project. These guys have sort of unparalleled knowledge in terms of identifying those early stage targets that eventually lead towards, you know, what everybody's looking for in this business is the, the takeouts by the majors. We've also got Ryan Shedler on, on our board. He's one of the principal partners in, of Condire Resource Partners, and they hold about 13% of our stock. So it's, you know, fairly tightly held company with 13% with, with Ryan and his group. We've got a similar position being held by the uh, Tocqueville Gold Fund out in New York, and then management holds a similar position as well. So lots of cash in the bank, about 18 million in cash, about 24 million in marketable securities currently. So you add that up and you're almost at our market cap right now. So you're getting the exposure to the largest portfolio of projects in the Yukon almost for free. Well, tell us about your share structure. Fully diluted is 92 million. Like I said, that, that puts us at a 46 million market cap, over 40 million in working capital. And the share price? 50 to 54 currently, still on the low end. What kind of excitement are you feeling in the Yukon and in the sector? Obviously, the, the excitement is coming back to the Yukon hard again. I mean, we've had the Gold Corp takeout of Kamenak recently, and that has spurred the idea to do a third distribution to shareholders for strategics. Over the past couple cycles, we've identified projects that were getting a lot of excitement, and we've packaged them up and dividended them out to shareholders. So we did a distribution back in 2008. We did another distribution in 2011. We'll have our third distribution coming up later this year, which is the distribution of Trifecta Gold. And uh, that company is going to have four very exciting targets in the Dawson range, which is the area where you've got Gold Corp and Igneco Eagle and Kinross all with major land positions in there. The projects that were held within Strategic and fourth project that we identified just through research and were able to put together a deal just over the past couple months, we'll have four drill targets. One of them with already major drill discovery on it. So we'll be moving that forward quite aggressively post spin out. Since we're backed by an innovative group of you know science-minded guys, we're always looking for other opportunities that are within our sector. And an idea 
came to our uh, present CEO, Doug Eaton, as a way to deal with two issues that the Yukon has. One being legacy issues from past producing mines where they've got large acid rock drainage problems. And then if you were to get a new deposit into production, you need power. And the most likely source of that power is going to be an LNG power plant. So then, then you've got two emissions. So his thought was to react those CO2 emissions with the acid rock generating sulfide tailings, which sequests the CO2, neutralizes the acid generating potential of the tailings, and you're left with a total stable carbonate mineral. So currently, we're developing this out at the University of British Columbia with one of our directors, Lee Grote, who's a mineralogist professor out at UBC. And we are in the semifinals of the Carbon X Prize. So we're getting a lot of media attention for that. And I mean, that's something that the potential value of Terra CO2 could dwarf every project in our portfolio if we could prove that this technology is is successful on a major scale. So we're looking to pilot plant that with, within the next couple of years. Is that something you can license out to other companies all around the world and jurisdictions like California that are not necessarily mining friendly? Everywhere, exactly. That's the beauty. I mean, we've had meetings with some guys that say, you know, if this worked, this could save the whole coal industry. You know what I mean? If you can capture all those CO2 emissions and use that to fix an, an, an existing environmental problem. When the guys ran the thermodynamics and it actually worked, too good to be true. So now it's we're at bench scale. We're designing pilot plants. So we're moving this thing forward aggressively as well. And it's just another hidden asset within Strategic. Then you become a, a really sustainable clean tech, green tech company. And it's <laughs> under the auspices of Strategic, right? It's a, currently 100% owned by Strategic Metals. So you right. get that for free along with everything else. Well, Richard, it's been a great pleasure to speak with you and meet you. Uh, thanks for joining me today on the program. Thank you very much. I've been speaking with Richard Dreschler, VP of Communications for Strategic Metals Limited, trading as SMD on the TSX Venture Exchange. Strategic Metals is a member of the Yukon Mining Alliance, a proud sponsor of the Yellow Smart Report. Now let's speak with John McConnell, President and CEO of Victoria Gold, trading as VIT on the TSX Venture Exchange and VITFF in the U.S. Victoria Gold Corp. is a leading gold exploration and development company. The company's Eagle Gold Project in Yukon, Canada, hosts a 43101 compliant reserve of 2.7 million ounces of gold. The Eagle Gold Project is shovel-ready and when in production will produce 200,000 ounces of gold annually at an operational cost of approximately $550 per ounce. The project is permitted for construction and operations. Victoria shareholders are well positioned participate in a highly leveraged gold play and construction of the largest gold mine in Yukon history. You've got quite an extensive project, don't you, John? Yeah, and we're moving forward. We're probably, of all the companies here, the only fully permitted project. We do have the one issue that we need 300 million U.S. to put it in production, but we actually think we're going to get the financing done here in the next couple months. Working with a good syndicate of banks, and there's not a lot of projects out there for them to finance. This project has great economics, it's in a safe jurisdiction, so the banks are actually lining up to give us money. It's actually one of the most progressive jurisdictions on the planet, if not Canada. The Yukon Territory government is very proactive with regard to mining and also you've got a great relationship with the First Nations. Absolutely, and you're right about the Yukon. I've worked in every province and territory except PEI. There's no mining there. Probably Yukon and Quebec are equivalent in terms of seeing the economic benefits of mining. They put in 
good permitting processes. They can be improved still, but you know we are an example that got through the full permitting process. Uh, took us five years, whereas uh, when I was in the Northwest Territories, I permitted the Snap Lake Diamond Mine. That took us nine years. So the Yukon is doing things right. So once you're financed, what's the plan of going forward? Start construction. Building it takes about 12 months. So if we get started here in the next two to three months, we'll be in full production mid-year 2018. Well, that's not too far away, is it? No, we want to time it. You know, if you're in this business, you're a gold bull. We think our timing's perfect to be producing gold when gold's $2,000 an ounce. Did you see this next run in the bull market coming about two years ago when things were just terrible? Well, again, if you're in this business, you've got to be an optimist. We know that mining is a cyclical business. Commodity prices are cyclical. So we had three years that were just atrocious in this business. And you had to know it was coming back sometime. And, you know, we got some pretty wise guys on our board. So we conserved cash. And the lowest we ever got was down to about $10 million. So, you know, we were always in good shape financially to wait out the markets. Well, tell us about that board of directors. Our chairman, Sean Harvey, and myself, we essentially founded the company back in 2007. We brought in three directors, all seasoned mining exploration guys. It's not an old boys club. We were very careful about who we brought on to the board. There are no wallflowers there. They put me through the ringer every board meeting. This year, or this past year, we added two board members because we're moving from exploration to development and operations. We added a lady named Heather White, very seasoned mine operator, and a gentleman named Patrick Downey, who's also run many junior companies, built mines. So we think we've got just a fantastic board of directors right now that want to see this mine built and put into production. And tell us about your share structure for those in our audience that look at these things. Some people question our share structure. We've got over 500 million shares out. For me, it is what it is. You know, when we took over this company in 2007, there were 300,000 shares out. You know, you got to issue stock to uh, pay the bills. We think we've done a good job of managing that. And, you know, many people say, well, why don't you roll back the stock? We've analyzed that, looked at companies that rolled their numbers back. In most cases, their share price is traded back down to where they were pre-rollback. We have no intention of doing that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, though. The real story here is, though, in mid to late 2018, you potentially will begin generating about $20 million a year in revenue. Yes. Sounds pretty good. (laughs) Sounds great, doesn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, John McConnell, the president of Victoria Gold, thank you so much for joining me today in the program. Thank you, Alice. I've been speaking with John McConnell, President and CEO of Victoria Gold, trading as VIT on the TSX Venture Exchange and VITFF in the U.S. Victoria Gold is a member of the Yukon Mining Alliance, another proud sponsor of the Ellis Martin Report. Closing out our visit with members of the Yukon Mining Alliance at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, let's speak with Greg Johnson at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. Mr. Johnson is the CEO of Metallic Minerals Corporation, trading as MMG on the TSX Venture Exchange and in the U.S. as MMNGF. Metallic Minerals is a growth stage silver and gold exploration company focused on creating value through a disciplined entrepreneurial approach to exploration in mining districts of Western North America that have been shown to produce top tier 
company-making assets, and yet remain underexplored. Metallic's core Kino Lightning project is located in the historic Kino Hill Silver District of Canada's Yukon Territory, a region which has produced over 200 million ounces of silver and currently hosts one of the world's highest-grade silver resources. In addition, the company's McKay Hill Silver and Gold property is a historic producer and is located northeast of Kino Hill in a newly emerging silver and gold mining district. Craig, welcome back to the program. It's great to be back. Now, I'm very excited for several reasons. I'm now a, uh, a bit of a placer miner, and I put quotes around that, in the Yukon, and you have a, an amazing find in the Yukon that you've put into a company, and let's talk about colossal grades, potentially, of silver. Yeah, we're working in the Kino Hill Silver District, which is one of the highest grade districts in the world. Average grade here was well over 1,800 grams per ton for the 200 million ounces produced over the last 100 years. It's one of the best and highest grade districts in the world, and it happens to be located in Canada, in the Yukon, in a favorable mining jurisdiction. Now, I'm seeing in your executive summary a mineralized trend that is highlighting recovered grades above 5,000 grams per ton, which is, I think, roughly 150 ounces per ton. That's just completely unbelievable. Evidently, that's what you can find in the Yukon, and that's what you've identified. That's right. It's what really makes Kino Hill stand out from most other deposits in the world. Today, the average grade for the producing mines in Mexico, Bolivia, Argentina, is around 250 grams. So when we're talking about deposits that are running in excess of 10 times that amount, even 20 times that amount, it really makes Kino Hill stand out. You're adjacent to Alexco Resources, Kino Hill, as you have discussed just a second ago, the world's highest grade silver resources. That's good news, isn't it? It's not bad news, it's good news. No, it's excellent. It means that we're right next to existing highways, access to ports, grid power, and a regional mill right next to where we're exploring. So what is the plan going forward then, since you're so close to the regional mill and the infrastructure is incredible for Metallic? We've been able to accumulate, which is really quite exceptional, a large land package, over 30,000 acres of land adjacent to this high-grade producing district. Same geology, the structures continue from where they've been historically mined, producing more than 200 million ounces of silver onto our ground. The reason we were able to do that was this ground was staked much of it back in the 1920s by individuals and small companies, and much of it has been held in good standing since that point, so it's never seen modern exploration. We've been able to assemble that land package by doing attractive deals that give shares in our company to those private individuals and small companies, and put together this really impressive package that we believe we can go out, start to drill underneath some of these historic producing mines, two of which were the highest grade producers in the district, and be able to put modern resources on the table. Now, you're quite familiar with global geology. And in fact, Mexico, it's the Sonora district there, produces quite a bit of silver. Unless you actually go to the Yukon, you can't imagine the full story of it. Everything is massive. Everything is colossal. Why is there some reticence about getting involved on some level with the uninformed with regard to the Yukon? Well, I think it's, uh, it's an area we haven't heard a lot about until probably just the last couple of years. It's been an area that's been mostly smaller companies that have been exploring and mining. But just last year, we had Gold Core take out Kamen so really highlighting the majors are now interested in this. It's very rare to have an emerging camp that doesn't have major domination by the largest companies. And the Yukon is showing one of the best mineral potentials in the world based on the Fraser Institute report. And the majors are now starting to look at this because of the great infrastructure,
trained workforce and low political risk of working in Canada. Fair question would be, how are you funded to move your company going forward into further exploration, development, and potential production, if that's where you're headed? We're a new company. We're only a six-month-old company under Metallic. The management purchased 25% of the shares. We're well-funded with $2 million in cash, $3 million in the money warrants. So we're in great position to be able to go out and do an aggressive exploration program in 2017, follow-up work on these 12 targets that we've identified, many of which were historic producing mines at the turn of the century, and to be able to advance those for our shareholders. Now, you've been up in the Yukon for a while. You, of course, worked in Mexico, and you've been involved with several successful companies in the past, Novigold notably. What's most exciting now for as long as you've been in this business? What keeps you smiling in the morning? Well, this is a really exceptional opportunity to for a young, small, tightly structured company like us to be able to accumulate a ground package like this next to one of the highest grade producers. From an explorationist point of view, it's a dream. We're going to get to be able to come in and drill geology that we understand, deposit controls that we understand, and we think our probability of successfully developing new resources and new discoveries is going to be excellent. I'm excited to be hands-on with this. I'm working with some top people that have worked with me at Nova Gold and other companies through the years. We've all chosen to come in here. We've bought a big position in the company alongside of our existing supportive shareholders, and we think this is going to be a really exciting opportunity that's going to unfold over the next couple of years. What does that share structure look like? Right now we've got about 36 million shares outstanding, so very tightly held with 25% insider ownership and another 25% that's held by friends and family. Greg, thanks so much for joining me today on the program. It was a pleasure. I've been speaking with Greg Johnson, CEO of Metallic Minerals Corporation, trading as MMG on the TSX Venture Exchange and in the U.S. as MMNGF. We've just taken a look at nine compelling companies all members of the Yukon Mining Alliance. To contact the Alliance directly, head over to their website, yukonminingalliance.ca, or find their logo and click through on our website, ellismartinreport.com. You've just heard opinion, commentary, and dissertation involving publicly traded companies seeking your potential investment. They paid us for the privilege. Invest at your own risk and only after doing extensive research. Find our sponsors and listen to segments of this program again on our website, ellismartinreport.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.